0: getting ready to preview the new season. Welcome to Hand of Pod. one and all to episode 417 of Hand of Pod, the second of 2022, and the first in which we get right down and dirty with the really good stuff. The club season has begun uh, about 10 minutes ago. Uh, The first two matches of it are now underway, at least in the, the top flight. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined for this preview episode by Andres... Hello, welcome. And we were supposed to be joined by Santi, but uh, he's covering the Argentina Open tennis tournament at the moment and hobnobbing with Juan Martin del Potro. So instead, a late substitute, Tony, has managed to make it in and join us. Welcome, Tony. Hey guys, how are you? Uh, we've a little a bit lot... envious of Santi, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly getting a lot more sun than. Um, <laughs> uh, well, certainly that I've had all day, and I imagine that you've had as well. Given you've just described your working you know, day to me, um, and yeah, if, if anything, like I, I, I can't remember when my girlfriend and I went to a match at the Argentina Open. Whether it was three years ago, maybe it must have been, it would have been pre-pandemic. But then two years ago it was just about pre-pandemic as well, uh, and yeah, we had to really try quite hard to avoid sunburn, uh, given that it's. February or late January in Buenos Aires when it's played. Um, anyway, we're here to talk about football. We're going to begin with a quick review, of course, of Argentina's two World Cup qualifiers, which Santi and I previewed a couple of weeks ago. Um, those ended in, if I remember correctly, uh, two victories for Argentina. I really hope I've got that right. because That is correct. Um, yeah, it was 2-1 away to Chile. Uh, yes it was in Calama it was and then 1-0 at home to Colombia Uh, now Santi and I were um, laughing a little bit about the fact before that match that Chile wanted to play at altitude you know and there were rumours when that was first announced that it was to make things awkward for Argentina and then of course it was pointed out that Chile's players are not going to be any more used to playing at altitude than Argentina's are Um, but of course another thing that we then pointed out was that their follow-up match Chile's follow-up match the next Tuesday uh, was away to Bolivia. So probably that was more of what Chile were thinking. And if it was what they were thinking, then it worked because they managed a 3-2 win away to Bolivia in La Paz. Um, I'm not sure what Chile's normal record is like in La Paz. Previously, I've I've not had a look at it after playing home matches in Santiago. Um, But any time that a team who are used to playing as sea level manages a win in La Paz, it's a good result. So well done them. We can be a little bit patronising and say well done to Chile because it still doesn't look like they're quite going to scrape into the World Cup. Really, Brazil and Argentina are both, as they already were before the last double header, already qualified after 15 matches each with 39 and 35 points respectively. Ecuador are uh, still in third place with 25 points, having uh, drawn at home to Brazil and then drawn away to Peru. Uruguay fourth with 22 points um, and two matches to go. Uruguay's results were a 1-0 win over Paraguay and a 4-1 win at home to Venezuela. So they were the big winners, really, of the doubleheader um, that passed. Peru are now in the playoff spot on 21 points, having uh, beaten Colombia 1-0 in Colombia and then the aforementioned 1-1 draw at home to Ecuador. Uh, And Chile are sixth with 19 points. So two behind Peru and three behind Uruguay with two matches to go. um, Thanks to that. uh, Well, not thanks to the defeat against Argentina, but thanks to that battling win over um, Bolivia. Colombia have 17 points. Bolivia have 15. Uh, Paraguay are out of it. I think now mathematically they're on 13 points. Yeah. They're eight points behind Peru with six points to play for. Um, I think actually that mathematically, I'm not sure Bolivia are still in it either because of who's playing who. I don't think it's possible for everybody to drop no, points don't. for Bolivia to qualify, even though they're um, six behind with six to play for.
1: Yeah, and Ecuador only needs
0: one point to secure mm-hmm.
1: third place. So,
0: yeah, uh, Ecuador already—they um, are six clear of sixth place, Chile, with six points to play for. But because not all of the teams below them can pick up maximum points because some of them are playing each other, Ecuador are already guaranteed at least a playoff spot. And they are a draw away from confirming an automatic um, promotion uh, promotion, <laughs> an automatic qualification spot is what I should say. I mean, say. it is like a promotion. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, there is a, a very juicy uh, double header coming up then at the end of March, which we will of course preview, you know, in, in more detail closer to the time. But uh, Uruguay versus Peru on the 24th of March um, is looking like the really, really big match, which could decide not only uh, whether Uruguay and or Peru make it through, but also could decide some of the other teams, uh, Chile's and Colombia's fates as well, um, before the last round of matches is played. Uh, we will go into that in more detail, as I say then. But uh, from Argentina's um, point of view... Go so on, Andres. There is a, yeah, there is
2: a, a remarkable thing about the this double-header uh well the, the the end of the of the qualifiers which is that mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that the first of those two rounds will be the 24th of march right mm. and yes. river boca is played the 20th of March uh, which means that perhaps not for argentina but there will be collapse for players playing in argentina well i i mean river and boca for the other clubs the, the other uh, teams
0: oh, of course yeah um yeah yeah, various other clubs or teams around the continent have, have got players. And I mean, it could affect the Argentine players as well uh, because you know we know that Scaloni wants to have them together for as much time as possible and to have certain players maybe getting a bit more playing time. Uh, these last two matches are going to be taken seriously. I, I, I think there was a suggestion a few days ago that, that Messi will be called up for them again, um, even though we were told before that he wouldn't be for the last few rounds of uh, of World Cup qualifying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that happens. And in fact, whether River or Boca end up you know, asking the AFA whether they can play that match a day earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. Might make sense, mightn't it, before everybody goes off on international duty. Um, in Chile, Angel Di Maria gave Argentina a 1-0 lead with a fantastic finish from just outside the box after nine minutes. That was uh, pulled back uh, by Ben Britton, who apparently is playing very well in the championship now as well. Uh, he... he wasn't playing particularly well from what I understood when he was originally called up uh, to Chile for those World Cup qualifiers followed by the Copa America last year, but um, he seems to have hit four now. He got an equaliser to make it 1-1, but Lautaro Martinez got what turned out to be the winner for Argentina 10 minutes before the break. Um, and after that, it was quite a lot of Chile attacking, but not really managing to do very much in Argentina, holding them at arm's length. Um, and then the Colombia match, who was the goal scorer there? Laura Martínez. Laura L- L- Martínez, of course, yeah, half an hour in. Um, and not really an awful lot else to report. It, they, they weren't a particularly thrilling pair of matches from the Argentine point of view. Yeah. No, um, no, to be
1: honest,
0: no. <laughs> no, I, I, did, I did want to review everything last week, but uh, nobody was available to record. So, you know, but essentially we didn't really... This very much to be honest. I have been struggling to find things to talk about for an hour. and yeah, maybe the, the la- yeah. And no, sorry.
2: Go no, on. I think it was a, of course a good test again to to see what happened with with El Messi there, uh, and it was mm. uh, uh, good to see that the team itself was a team and not depending on, on Messi like it happened uh, some time ago, and and uh, they played like being at ease and comfortable with the way they are playing right now and, and that is something of course that gives you victories and and, and in, in this case the 28 matches that they are uh, they have uh, been playing with no, no, no losses uh, no defeats so I think that is perhaps the most positive thing of these two rounds of the qualifiers
0: yeah indeed um, Premier League watching listeners of whom there are obviously a few given that we're an English language podcast uh, might be interested to hear that Emiliano Buendia made his Argentina debut with, I think, about 15 minutes to go against Colombia. So congratulations to him, if he's listening, which he's not. Um, And, of course, this wouldn't be hand of pod reviewing a bunch of Argentina internationals without a cracking statistic that got shared on our WhatsApp group by, I think, by one of you two, if I remember rightly, um, which is that Lionel Scaloni, somewhat improbably, um, and I don't think any of us would have predicted this when he was named manager, um, has become the first manager in Argentina's history to claim victories over all nine other CONMEBOL nations. Um, there is one rather big asterisk next to that statistic, which is that during the 20 years that Guillermo Stabile was managing the national team, Argentina never played Venezuela once. Um, their first match against Venezuela was the year after Stabile died, in fact, uh, 1967. So he never got the chance and he did beat all of the other eight. uh, And the other managers who've beaten all of the other eight teams, but only eight and not nine um, in Commonwealth are, I'm doing this off the top of my head now because I've not got the tweet in front of me, but I think it was Daniel Passarella, who didn't beat Uruguay, uh, Alfio Basile, Marcelo Bielsa, and was there one other one, guys? Can anyone remember? I think there might be someone missing. I've got a feeling Bielsa didn't manage a win over Ecuador. Basile, I can't remember. Uh, Paraguay, yes. And then there was one other one who, it's slipped me by. But anyway, as I say, they all did play everybody else. Stabile beat the other eight South American sides that he actually managed against. Um, and therefore can be the most hard done by in that little statistic. But anyway, uh moving yeah, on. Yeah the only sorry, the only
1: one Go that on. I think my my fall between Stabil and, and the rest of the coaches it's uh, Vasile because it's the last one. Uh they play the old version of the qualifiers that didn't play a, a Robin. It was uh, two yeah. groups. Hmm.
0: But yeah, yes, I mean, he uh, still—I think he still played all of them, though, didn't he? Yeah. Lanky, yeah, not necessarily in the qualifiers, but he he had matches against all the other Commonwealth nations.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, not but, as
0: frequently. But it's not—it's
1: yeah. like you can avoid or you are unlucky like Staly to not play against one of them. Now you have yeah. to, unless you're fired like Bowser or Tanflita.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, moving on to the domestic side of things, which is, of course, really why you will listen to us, even if you don't particularly want to admit that. Uh, as I've mentioned already, the Copa de la Liga Profesional is underway. It kicked off 22 minutes ago with San Miento versus Atlético Tucumán. There have been no goals in that one, which is the one I've got on while we record. Um, and the other match also underway at the moment, about 20 minutes in apparently, is Patronato versus Argentinos Juniors. So two rip-roaring thrillers to... Uh, to get things underway. Uh, later tonight, Newell's Old Boys host Defensa y Justicia and Central Cordoba de Santiago de Estero host Barracas Central, who are the uh, pantomime villains of this year's top flights, as we've already, well, as we spent most of last year both explaining and uh, providing a prelude to. Uh, every time they got mentioned uh, during their second division campaign Um, the structure of the calendar this year is very similar to last year the only difference is that there are two more teams in the top flight than there were last year because Barracas Central and uh, Tigre were promoted and nobody of course got relegated at the end of this season, is it just one team gets relegated at the end of the year? Am I remembering that right? I cannot be sure about that but I can check quickly Mm. Um, of course the fact that we have 28 well Tony checks that the fact that we have 28 teams rather than 26 uh, in the Copa de la Liga this year does mean that nobody's going to be sitting out you might remember that last year there was always uh, two groups of 13 teams and that meant that there was always a team without a fixture Um, and and who were sitting out this year is two groups of 14 teams so seven matches in each group each weekend and there will be a round of Clásicos which I think is round seven
2: Yes, that's the one yes. I, I told you about the that the that
0: will be the super uh, round. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be River versus Boca, Independiente versus Racing, Argentinos versus Belas Defensivas, Justicia versus Arsenal for whatever reason. Lanus versus Banfield, Tacheres versus Godoy Cruz. Again, they've been obviously drawn together at random because their clasicos aren't in the same division. San Lorenzo versus Huracan, Rosario Central versus Newell's Old Boys, Gimnasia versus Estudiantes, Colon versus Unión. Tigre versus Platense. Atlético Tucumán versus Central Cordoba is another classic or drawn out of a hat. Aldo Sibi versus Patronato is another one, obviously, because they're about 700 that, that's miles a big apart. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Barracas Central versus Sarmiento. I have to admit, I was, I'm was i assuming that that's been drawn randomly, but for all I know, there might be some real beef there. Anyone know? Mm, know. We're, we're going to assume can, that that can, one's been drawn as well. I can confirm that
1: Um, there are two uh, places to be relegated this season and four the next one.
0: Ah, so two teams go down at the end of this year? Yeah, they want to keep it even, apparently. With, I think, two coming up from the next season, and then next year it's going to be four and two? Yes. Oh, okay, right. I I was fearing that we were going to have another 30-team top flight next season. No, 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 we're we're coming 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 back to the 21. We're going back to the 20... Maybe twenty-two teams.
1: Seems like
0: at at some point between now and 2060, uh, the Argentine league might have a sensible number of teams in the top flight again. Basically, Um, that will mean
2: that which that means that they will have to create any cups, any other cups or tournaments because to fill spaces. Because uh, of course they they have that uh, paquete football, the package. Uh, and mm-hmm. if there are less teams, will be less matches, of course, and, and that will mean in people that won't be.
1: Nah, uh, but I I, su- I suppose I mean, at some point when you get the twenty twenty two teams, you can you just play one against the other.
2: Yes, that's another. Yes.
1: Yeah,
0: you have you have a proper, uh, you know what what we, I say we Western Europeans. I mean me and other Western Europeans, of course. I don't mean me and you two because you're not. But uh, what what we're all used to thinking of as a proper league season of everyone plays everyone home and away and we did the maths when the 30 team league happened back in 2015 and there were actually fewer matches played over the course of the season that year because of the fact that everyone there were only enough teams there were so many teams that everybody couldn't play everybody twice and therefore there were 15 matches every weekend but over the course of the season it was only I can't even remember what the numbers were now, but it was like 300 matches as opposed to 380 or 420 or something over the course of an actual proper league season with 20 teams in the top flight. Actually, from the the, the point of view... Go
1: on, Tony. Oh, sorry. Actually, from the point of of view of whoever holds the rights and wants to keep stealing money, uh, you just play... uh, a run robin between everyone and then mm. on on the summer go back to the old torneo de verano and you have all the year
0: covered yeah exactly and we've had some torneo de verano action which of course we're not going to really talk about um but that that's been happening on the paquete football channels over the last month or so um and yeah the, the other thing that i was going to add was that the other thing uh, with the the everybody playing everyone once with fifteen teams in the division is that it looks like loads of matches each weekend, but actually the clubs were losing money um, for gate fees and stuff because they had fewer home matches and obviously correspondingly fewer away matches than they would have had or than they had had indeed the, the previous year in the under the old apertura clausura or Inicial final um you know league season structure. Uh, but anyway, dragging things back um, to where we started the calendar then looks very similar to uh how it looked last year just with a couple of extra teams in the top flight uh the copa de la liga group stages are going to carry on until uh looks like the second weekend i think this is or maybe the first weekend in may um the weekend of sunday the 8th of may basically Um, and then after that the top four teams in each of the two groups will go into the quarterfinals and I think it's quarterfinals, semifinals and final are all just one match. Um, quarterfinals are going to be in the home stadium of the team who, were, who finished their group higher. So it'll be the first place team from Group A playing the fourth place team from Group B, second place, third and, and so on. So whoever finished their own group higher gets their match at home in the quarters. And then I think the semis and the final are both on neutral territory. Certainly the finalists. Um, and then after that, once that's all over, we go into the first division season, which will be from what I'm guessing mid-May or something or late May through to a couple of weeks before December, the World Cup, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, right, right. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's cool. what the, the season is going to look like. And of course, one thing that you're all wondering, I'm sure, is which teams have had the best transfer windows. Um and there's one that's easy, you know. Yeah, normally with this, we go through, a, you know, a bit of a list, and we discover some of these names, and we go, oh, oh, this isn't bad at all. You know, they've, you know, that that, that could be a good under the radar kind of signing. And there's a little bit of debate about who's had the best transfer window um, this year. I'm afraid it's it's going to be a rather less interesting discussion because the answer is River Plate um, on paper by quite a long way. Um, they have brought in Ezequiel Barco who Tony's excellent scouting work has uh, uncovered for seemingly the first time. His first name is actually written with an S and not a Z. Uh, So well done there, Tony. Um, Emmanuel Mamana has returned to the club. Tomas Pochettino. uh, And of course, as all lovers of truly beautiful football um, will be delighted to hear, even though he's probably hardly going to actually start any matches, Juan Fernando Quintero. Is back in Argentine football and indeed back in a River Plate shirt. Uh, I think there are one or two others as well, but those are the four names that show up on this PDF that Tony has prepared and very kindly yeah, shared with
1: me. Yeah, Herrera from San Lorenzo, the left back and right back. No, I'm mixing positions. And also coming back to the club, uh,
0: González Pires, mm. another centre back coming back. And
2: Elias yeah, Gómez. I know. I know you mentioned him.
0: Right. 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 Elias yeah, Gómez. Yes. Thank you, Andres. Yeah. And the other big win for River in the transfer market is that they have held on for now to Julian Alvarez, who, when we spoke at the end of last year, we were expecting he probably wasn't going to be a River player still now. Uh, Technically speaking, in terms of his registration with FIFA, he isn't a River player anymore. He's on loan at River until the end of the year because he's signed, I'm incredibly angry uh, to to say uh he's signed for Manchester City um as some of you will already be aware uh it seems to me quite likely that he's going to be on his way in the middle of the year or just after the Copa Libertadores quarterfinals I think it is the uh the cutoff point um there is a basically a clause in the deal so he's back on loan at River until the end of the year but City can take him after the Libertadores quarterfinals if they want to for, I think it's another one and a half million euros or one and a half million pounds. I can't remember which. Um, if, if they another money like for us in
1: time.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's standard. a lot of money for River <laughs> and absolutely no money at all for Manchester City. So, you know, I, my guess is that if if River, you know, are in the Coppa Libertadores semi-final, then that's going to be, I wouldn't say mostly, but certainly... It would be surprising if they did that and Julian Alvarez doesn't have a big part to play um, and that will probably lead to them having to play the Libertadores semifinals without him uh, one way or another. Either that or they won't be in the Libertadores semi-final, but might still get to keep him for the last couple of months of the year. Obviously, against that is the fact that he's highly likely to be in Argentina's World Cup squad. You would think if he stays fit and in form um, and City might prefer him to, you know, not to have too much disruption at the end of the year and just to li- leave them there until the end of uh, the end of 2022 or the start of 2023 we shall see but from river's point of view fantastic piece of business um yes
2: and and just for you to have an idea uh, you you mentioned, you said i think you said 20 million more or less dollars uh, that will be uh, for river and uh, uh, just to have an idea uh, river is, straight, is uh, these days uh, sealing the deal to rename their their stadium mm. or the naming rights, and for that deal they will they will receive uh, that sum of money, but for seven years of the uh, naming. And the deal, the, the transfer for Julien Alvarez is that that same uh, sum of, of money. So uh, just to have an idea.
1: Yeah, with, um, with who they are, are they signing? Do you know the naming rights? uh
2: they are they are just uh, we have uh, some some companies but the, the closest i think is a, a supermarket company um and well i there were uh, two others i think that they weren't mentioned because they the closest to to seeing the deal is is, uh, is that uh, i think it's called chango mass or something like that
0: oh right the new walmart okay cool yeah, 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 I was, yeah. Go- I was going to say, don't mention any brand names here because they're not giving us twenty million quid to advertise them, guys. But um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because that's a, a chain that doesn't exist outside Argentina. So our listeners aren't going to be affected. Um, but I mean, yeah, if they yeah, want to send it's... me cookies, I'm going to do it. Uh, instinctively, I don't really like kind of stadium naming deals, but I do. Th- I kind of feel like it's a bit like the you know the, this big one that was announced at uh, Barcelona um yesterday. When it's an already existing stadium, it feels like it does a little bit less damage, you know, like uh Arsenal's stadium, really, everybody should be calling it Ashburton Grove because Middle Eastern Airline isn't going to give you any money at all for referring to it by what they've, and, you know, it needs a permanent name as well. Um But yeah, I mean, in practical terms, this renaming isn't going to do anything at all from everyone else's point of view people are just going to continue to call it the Monumental or Estadio River um, and in other practical terms the River's point of view it gets 20 million dollars in their bank which they can use to remodel the stadium so yeah, yeah. you know good luck to them yeah for I think I think as long the, 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 the actual name of the stadium is
1: somewhere there it's fine no one's going to call Spotify Camino. we're going to still call it Camino.
0: exactly yeah um, and it's I, I'm, I'm going to say apart from just the fact that they've got a squad to die for in, in the context of Argentine football now it's, it's got to be a pretty exciting year to be a River fan as if the last seven haven't been um, particularly a you know, River fan as, as you are say Andres based in Buenos Aires and I'm guessing hoping to go to a few matches because this money is, is being reinvested into expanding the stadium uh, and upping the capacity by about another what ten or eleven thousand or something, right? So uh, is it going to be eighty-two thousand yeah. once they've put in those those seats in the, the lower stand now towards so they right down near the pitch?
2: Yes, it will be. I think ten thousand more more mm. more uh, uh, people to to get into the the stadium. It's like, if they they say that it will be the the biggest in South America with eighty-two thousand. Yes, um, and yes, I I am a bit worried about these deals. Uh, not only not because of the money, of course it's. All of the money that can uh, 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 be able to 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 do this uh, restyling of the of the of the stadium, and I think it's okay. But uh, the the profile I think of the new president, which is Jorge Brito, uh, who is uh, after uh, Jorge D'Onofrio, is too. Uh, it's like a well, it's the, the son of a famous bank uh, owner that uh, died recently, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't like that uh, uh, profile of of. of uh, uh, board members in which uh, they they are too focused in money of course money is enough; is, is necessary but it's i think a bit too uh, focused on money uh, so uh, we, it, we have to see that uh, if if finally successful or not but uh, i i see him quite uh, similar to Angelisi, uh, the former president of boca who was i ha- and- i have
1: to digress with you andres sorry to, if you want to finish your your if you want to close the idea, and I can counter that.
2: <laughs> no, it's okay.
1: Um, I think it'll. I I don't want to say that you're wrong because obviously you're a river fan. You you know about river more than I do. Um, but I think where you can draw the line there, which it's good you have someone that it's capable to manage. Finances, especially in Argentina, where most of the clubs are running into problems more often than not. But the, the, the important part will be him as the president and you guys as the socios that vote him in or out to understand that, at least for now, you still have someone actually running the football operation, which is Cacharro. I mean, he can... He can control the money or he can um, uh, make good use of the money or say how much money is available, but as long as you have someone intelligent running the football operation, I think you're going to be fine. It's not like the same situation like in Boca where regardless of who's the president, Ameal, Angelici, Boca, it's been clueless the last 10 years of what to do with the players, either sold them or buy them. I don't remember the last time Boca actually bought a player that was Good for Boca. I really don't. It might be it might be Benedetto that just come back.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll add something as well if you don't mind, Tony. Um, yeah, yeah. Just okay. to, I, I understand Andres's um, point of view, but uh, as, as a Manchester United fan, I don't know how familiar. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing Tony because you follow the Premier League and English football quite a bit, so I'm guessing that you're more familiar. I don't know how how familiar Andres you are with them. Um, Man United's ownership structure at the moment, and for the last couple of decades, but um, there's a big difference between a board who are doing what so far it looks like River's board are doing, and, and reinvesting the money um, that they take in into the team and into the stadium, and in a the case of a big, you know, social uh, institution like the big Argentine clubs here, and especially like River Plate, are they'll also be reinvesting it presumably into non-footballing parts of the institution um and having owners who just are there mainly to use the club as a as a money basket to take a load of money out and not reinvest things fully and you know they're they're spending plenty on the the team now but from what i understand for a match going man united fans they've not touched or so much as put a lick of paint on old trafford in you know 20 odd years now and it's it's starting to look very much the worse for wear and all the rest of it um so there, there is a difference, and, and I don't doubt this being Argentina. We've all been here for long enough. You two have been here your whole lives. So I've been here for nearly 12 years now. We've all been here for long enough to, to know that I'm, you know, it, it would be very surprising if the people running a, an operation that's bringing in as much money as River are at the moment are not taking a little bit off the top of it for themselves. Um, but if the main um, motivation and the main... End result of uh this this deal being done is that you get another eleven thousand seats in the stadium and I don't know, you, you get to resurface the, the tennis courts for the members who go there to play tennis and stick a few new bits of equipment into the gym and also sign another couple of players possibly, um, and and work out a decent package for whichever manager comes in next after Gashardo, because that's gonna happen one day. Um they, they're in you know better hands than. Than that, I would say uh, is is my two cents on it.
2: Yes, of course, it's why uh, much better and, and way uh, uh, away from from a company, for example, that manage manages clubs. And we have the example the example for example, why is Juanfer Quintero back at River? Because the company that managed managed shenzhen or I know how to pronounce it in China, broke and well, they owed a lot of money mm. to Quintero, and that made easy continue to 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 make the contract to terminate the contract and and be able to or be free to to come to river again uh, of course that is quite quite a way uh, but I, I i only i was only worried about the 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 the, the eagerness for money of course it's just like the beginning and we have to wait and see what happens and and uh, not, not to compare uh, river to to, to woka or, or brito who is just starting to angelite who was in the club and, and, and finished their uh, presidency. and, and uh, But just to, to point out that I was a bit worried about that. Not only, not, not that uh, I, I wasn't glad, of course, if, if, if the Monumental is uh, restyled and, 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 and we have to, and it has more capacity and it's nicer, of course, I will be quite happy. But uh, it was only a doubt about the profile of, of Jorge Brito. And, and nothing
1: more. Oh you're so. you're you're absolutely I mean again your your worries are justified. I mean obviously again because you know more of the river war than we do. But you you gave a great example. I mean even if Shenzhen went broke and Juan Ferquintero was up to to grab for free, it was an opportunity. Bring him back. I mean it it, it It may not work. That's always a risk when you bring a player uh, into a squad. But look what kind of similar um, business were conducted by Boca in the meantime or or during the last couple of years. When when you were talking about the the Juan Fertindero situation, about the free transfer, the Rossi came to my mind. I don't think it's going to be like the Rossi, this one. (laughs) And, And that, 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 again, came from having uh, either one person or a group of people in charge of making the decision from the footballing part. Besides economic, it's so important. Working in synergy and making decisions together, it's what River is doing so well when it comes to scouting and getting the right players. Not a lot of people knew about Armani before he came to River. Nobody, not a lot of people knew about Pallavecchino before he came to River, but River has good brains in the football inside, and I think they're still there to make it more hit than miss. Obviously, you're going to miss. You never get all your transfer, right? If you do, you're a prodigy. But yes, River take, make it better yeah. than worse.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, apart from that, they, they have renewed uh, the entire um scouting department uh, right with video analysts and and, and from the beginning from the, the player coming to the club and 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 uh, analyzing everything about the player and, and making him grow in a lot of aspects that perhaps no, it's not seen but you, you you know it's there so yes i yeah. agree that there are a lot of things that are positive and and i support that of course
0: guys we're gonna have to take a, a, a break which is partly um well mostly really obliged by uh zoom because it's about to cut us off and also i've got a cat crawling all over my desk because some of the background noise might have betrayed if anybody's been listening on particularly high volume um so we're going to take a minute now to uh export this first file and to try and get the cat into another room or something and we will be back afterwards to discuss everybody else's much less successful transfer windows so don't go away Welcome back. I managed to clean the cat off my desk. I need, I need to clear the rest of my desk, really. It's quite a mess, but it certainly isn't any tidier with a massive cat in the middle of it. Um, so we can get on with discussing other teams' um, transfer windows. Uh, Boca Juniors, of course, are the logical place to go, having just talked about River. They have brought back Dario Benedetto and Paul Fernandez. Um, both of which look potentially useful to me. Benedetto doesn't seem to have had two happier year in europe um and they brought in nicolas figal from uh inter miami um the former independiente fullback uh what do we think of those guys well i I think think. that boca
2: in the case of boca they they were sober they brought one one player per per line uh, one striker one Mm. one midfielder and one one defender in the case of river of course there are a lot of a lot more of signings, and and with the uh, when you will say, well, you are complaining because you are you are rich, but uh, uh, um, River hasn't signed a striker, and, and uh, when Julian Araujo sleeps, uh, uh, it, it was said that perhaps Palentin uh, 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 Castellanos, the one the, the striker who is Argentine, but is I think he never played in Argentina. He's right now at the New York City. Uh, uh, FC, I think it is uh, with uh, the owner is near, the, the same group of, of the Manchester City, mm. and it was said that he could come to River. Finally, I think it wasn't uh, they didn't advance with that, but the River hasn't uh, signed any any striker, uh, all, only midfielders and, and defenders, uh, uh, except uh, uh, unless uh, Gallardo uh, uh, puts. Um, makes
0: Barco play as a striker, but he said he was more a, a, a midfielder than a striker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think from Boca's point of view, as you say, I think Benedetto certainly fills a gap there that that um, that, that Boca had to, to fill probably a little more urgently than River, but it, it's something that River are going to need to look at before Julian Alvarez leaves as well. Um, but also it's, you know... Balanced against Benedetto coming in, they've let Ramon Abila uh, leave. He's he's joined Colon. Um, oh, in fact, hang on, he, he left Boca in the middle of last year, didn't he? But um, yeah. Yep. Uh, and they have also let go Edwin Cardona, who I think has gone to is it Lanús? That's <laughs> um, Which, from Boca's point of view, is I mean, you could say in in Spanish we could call it a, a cantado, you know, everybody knew it was going to happen. Uh, from Racing's point of view, it could be interesting as well. He, he could add that little bit of a spark if he's actually up for it. Um, and uh, Boca, his, his attitude just, you know, he didn't seem interested in being there anymore really, did he, for most of the second half of last year. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that Boca's changes to me ring a little bit more of a team who maybe they've not brought in that many numbers that they have uh, cleaned out the dressing room to an extent. You yeah, know, like I was uh, about to say that. You get the yeah, sense that, that it might be a slightly happier place now, now than one or two of those players yeah, aren't
1: there anymore. and surely they, they
0: want at least one year
1: of focusing on the on the pitch and on the antics outside. Because Pavon is about to leave on a free uh, in the middle of this year to Brazil. That's what's been floated around. Uh, so the is has been offered to a lot of teams. Um, so a less Colombian team... Carlos Zambrano is also on the um one foot outside, um Casa Marilla. So I think they're trying to focus on that, right? On the having a tiny squad that functions and then we'll see what happens if they can challenge for the title. But at first, the first, first order of business was no more strange things uh, outside what happens on, on the football pitch.
0: Yeah. Um. And actually, Sebastian Vicha strikes me as a, a Villa, I suppose we should call him because he's Colombian, uh, strikes me as um, a, a good example of what Andres was saying earlier about, and indeed what you were saying, Tony, earlier about how the differences between how River and Boca are run. Because a year ago, Villa was the kind of player that Boca could have got you know, a good few million dollars for, probably. And now it seems like they're struggling to convince anybody to take even- him off their hands.
2: Even Pavón before the World Cup, yeah, and now they're yeah. yeah. for free. Yeah, yeah. But even even when Pavón was at his best moment, at his best uh, moment in his career, uh, when they said that they will uh, uh, set a fifty million dollars release clause, it was even that was ridiculous. When Pavón was in the World Cup with Argentina and 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 he. Uh, uh, it looked like he would be a better player than that he's right now. Uh, I think that was ridiculous, and even it's worse for the player. You put, you use, set a a million close release clause, and then the player has to play in the field, in the pitch, and and, and demonstrate demonstrate that, and, and it's very hard to demonstrate a 50 million dollar release clause. Uh, yeah, you
1: have to be clever and and sell when you have to sell. Yeah. when it's time to do it, just do it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> don't and hold I mean, on then, for too long. Pavon was, you know, that, that was before. The last World Cup was, you know, four years ago now, of course, but um, it, it, it's it's an illustrative point because we said at the time that uh, it kind of felt a bit like he was having this one incredible season, having previously, we'd criticised him a load of times for playing as if he had a bucket on his head, and sure enough, after the World Cup he went right back to doing that. Um, so, you you know, you have to look at a player's career overall and be like, right, if if this is a standout season and it's got seemingly no relation to anything he was doing up to this point, is it going to be sustainable? Is he going to manage to, to yep. keep up this level of performance? You know, if he's been playing, you know, like Lionel Messi playing out of his skin since he was 17 years old and clearly destined for great things from a very early age, then that's one thing. But if you're 24, 25 or something, as Pavon was, you know, back in 2018, and you're having this one amazing season after a career of being, you know, frankly, fairly ordinary and not particularly intelligent, it suggests that you're just having one amazing season. Um, which it that- kind of connects to the to the big um, telenovela
1: of the summer, maybe, which is F- Facundo Farias. Go on, if, fill us in on this one. Um, yeah, sure. Um, all summer, Facundo Farias was touted to go to River, then to Boca, then back to River, then maybe other clubs, um but that never quite materialized because most of the times the the agents of the player have to put first because the, the agent is a piece of work um the agent said that nobody was uh asked or paying for what Colon was asking for the player and if i look to whichever source you want to look at you can check them the matches or you can check on the numbers you think okay this is not a seven million player in the million dollar player in in the in the context we are living out with with kobe and in the argentine inflation and the uh value of the dollar compared to, to the argentine peso you think seven million that's or 10 million or whatever they, they were talking about and i think colin should have let go of the player and you know the losses. Go, well, what happens if he has a regular year? Hmm. You're gonna lose uh, the 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 value that you could have got for the player um, instead of trying to keep pushing to get more money. Then we can talk about the agent because the agent said two two or three days ago that Liverpool came call in and yeah, sure, Liverpool for the why maybe, but
0: I was gonna say yeah, like he doesn't seriously <laughs> expect us to believe the liverpool liverpool of are interested doesn't i uh, i don't
1: know it's it's a, it's a guy that one day said he was kidnapped so if if he, <laughs> if he can fake some kidnap I don't know um anyway uh yeah that's it's it's a good example of learning about the the curves uh, development curves of your players and and understand when you should sell and, and cut your losses or get a maximum value if you, if you can get a player. Colon had a great first semester when they won the, the tournament and were flying on, on great football with the Dominguez. Now they, they got yeah. Falcioni. It's a big if, uh, thinking that Facundo Farias might might get a,
0: a similar performance that uh, he had in the first six months of the last year. Absolutely, yeah. Um, going through the rest of the big five a little more quickly. Um, Edwin Cardona, as we mentioned, has joined Racing, along with Gabriel Auche and Facundo Mura. Um As I said, I think Cardona should work quite nicely for, well, certainly from Bocca's point of view, it's a nice, um, it's a good change, but I, th- I think it could play nicely for Racing as well because um, they did look pretty uninspired at times last year. Alj, a little bit less convinced about, but we'll see how that goes. Um, Independiente have brought Damian Batashini back. Wow. Okay. Um, I seem to remember he was in Independiente's goal when I first moved over here in 2010. Um, they brought him back from Atlético San Luis, and... Um, and oh, hang on! No, I'm getting mixed up with another Batistini, aren't I? Because he's not a goalkeeper. The other one. yeah. <laughs> this one is yes. from Argentinos Juniors. He was on
1: loan at Atlético San Luis, and now mm. he's
0: at Independiente. Um, and Leandro Fernandez is also—I want to say back, but I don't think he is back, as is he? he's just yep. joined Independiente. Um, no, no, he was on loan to Nacional, I think. Oh, he was. Okay, I'm not. I'm getting yes. very confused about who their players are and aren't. Then um, I mean, it's yeah, Leandro me, Fernandez, yeah. you can get confused. Yeah. Yes, he,
2: he incredibly had a good, uh, I think, a good season at Nacional. Uh, I, I read the, the stats Um mm. he played 24 matches in the in 2021 and scored 10, which is not, of course, it's, it's not a lot of matches, but uh, for the, the the number of matches and the number of goals, I think is not not bad at all. Uh, That's because, all right. yes, a, a lot of supporters, I think, well, Santi is not with us, but... Uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think he was very, very happy with the coming back of, of Leandro Fernandez. And uh, if you read the numbers, I think he was quite, quite decent. Yeah.
1: yeah so again, on, on it's, it's gonna, they're going to be led by by um, Dominguez. So probably they're going to be more positive on the pitch. And mm-hmm. a player like Leandro Fernandez should fit the idea.
0: And San Lorenzo brought in Adam Berreiro. Uh, for, who spent 2021, according to Tony's PDF, with Alanyaspor and Atletico San Luis, um, played 34 matches in total, scored four goals, and made three assists. Um, and they have also demonstrated that they are very much not trying to avoid any trouble or arguments in their dressing room by bringing in Ricardo Centurion from Velez. Uh, well, and another second chance for the like, Calciatori. Yeah, I mean, how many of those have seen about
1: seven or eight. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Remember when he said he, that he he couldn't return to Boga, he wouldn't retire. Well, yeah, he's not retired.
0: <laughs> no, I think everybody would be happier if he did, but um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'd, I'd like to say maybe San Lorenzo will be worries, you know, manages to to settle and and find some some form and some. In a piece, but uh, San Lorenzo haven't really been that for anybody um, for quite some time. So I'm, I'm finding it difficult to see who wins out of this transfer, to be honest. Apart from his agent, most obviously.
2: Well, from the San Lorenzo point of view, I think that uh, signing Blandi, I think, is they will he will bring hope to the to the supporters because I think I, I remember him as a as a great goal scorer for in the past of course not not in the, in the in the mm. not at these times times but uh, uh, i think that is uh, well good, as De Di santo didn't feel the, the expectations i think
0: yeah
1: well, well he, knows he club, didn't do, but... do a lot in union blandy yeah you know. <laughs> so, did I he know. even play i think he played two matches
0: otherwise he was injured I have a feeling you might have mentioned towards the end of last year how few matches he played since joining Tony. Maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I mean, I'm making this the, up.
1: But... The, the main strikers were Garcia and, and Gonzalez. Garcia did well, actually. Mm, yeah. uh, he went to, to Newells. But even, even Cookie Marquez had more minutes than
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Than that's, a, that's a bar. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, just looking down some of the other players that you've highlighted from some of the other clubs now. Uh, Mariano Bítolo joining Argentinos could be interesting. He had a fairly decent uh, 2021 at Newell's. Um Gaston Gil Romero at Atlético Tucumán from Aldo CB feels to me like a bit of a yeah. nothing. Atlético Tucumán got, got Tomás Cuello back from uh, Red Bull Bragantino.
1: It's hmm. a Question: If he's gonna play, because I think they're gonna try to ship him, and again, uh, it's a time to to sell. Uh, he wasn't part of the squad for this weekend, and it's not um, part of the squad on the website, official website of the, of the of the of the team. But if they manage to not sell him, Thomas
0: question could be a really interesting addition to Atletico de yeah, um Yeah, Banfield have brought back two very, very old crowd favourites in Enrique Bologna in goal and Dario Spitanic um, up front. I mean, they both know the club, if nothing else, but they're also collectively between them something like 87 years old. Um, So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, I've also, it's just popped back into my head for some reason that Colón and Independiente have effectively swapped managers, um, which I I made a mental note of like a week ago when I was preparing to, to record last week and then that didn't end up happening and it's just, come back into my head. So Julio César Falcioni, uh, as Tony mentioned a few minutes ago, has gone to Colón and Eduardo Dominguez has um, has gone to Independiente. So that's happened. Um, otherwise, what other have we got? Juan Catroff joining Central Córdoba. Good luck to him. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he sh- certainly should lift that level a little bit from what I remember of him when he was here before. Um Ramon Abila, we mentioned, going to Colón, but they've also re-signed uh, Luis Rodriguez from Gimnasia. So that's a big um, transfer for, for them. That's, that's, you know, one of the best players in the league who was key, of course, to them winning this copper last year uh, before yep. signing for Gimnasia in the second half of the year um, is going to be back there. And Juan Sanchez Minho as well. I mean, that looks like a, you know, pretty decent uh, transfer window to me from Colón. I'm not sure who they lost, but uh, those, those three players can all do a job in this league.
1: Yeah, most of the the loss were um, loans that ended like Moura. Mm. So, they're yeah. replacing a little bit more of, with a little bit more experience.
0: Yeah. Go on, Andres. No, but
2: they, they will have a, a quite uh, a powerful uh, attack with uh, uh, Avila,
1: Luis uh, Rodriguez and uh, well, if Arias doesn't leave uh, yeah. they can yeah. help. it's an interesting
0: uh, set of players attacking set up. Yep. Yeah. Um, in La Plata, Mauro Bosselli and Emmanuel Mass have both joined Estudiantes um, and uh, Oscar Pires, Franco Soldano and Christian Tarragona have all joined Gymnasia. I'm not really sure about Many of those Franco Soldano rings a bell from when he was at, was it Boca uh, about a year ago? Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean they, they look fine. Bosselli yeah, Soldano uh, did well know. in
1: Unión, Tarragona did well in patronato.
0: Mm. If you think of the level, it should be yeah, better, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and sort of need just bodies to an extent, don't they? Um, Oh, Diego Valeri re- joining Lanús again. I think we mentioned this last uh, a couple of weeks ago with Santi, uh, possibly in passing, but uh, that looks like a, a decent um, transfer. You, presumably, you've got a pretty good idea how he played in 2021, Tony, being a Portland fan. Yeah,
1: he didn't play a lot. He wasn't a starter. Clearly, the, the legs were suffering a little bit from the, the calendar in the United States, which is a little bit ruthless. Uh, but I think Lanús is one of the big winners of this um, transfer window, because they had Nicolas Pasquini back from Estudiantes. Uh, they w- they got back uh, Monetti, the goalkeeper. They were really good at Lanús, and then started to move abroad them to San Lorenzo, back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Uh, and if Figgins establish himself with the eternal Jose San, too, I think it's going to be... A- it- it's a good mix of players that Lanús got, and won- is one of the winners of San River, in my opinion. And they Latence still have Lopez, the, the, the
2: young striker who I thought I thought yeah. they, they, will, they will sell him and his his team. Yeah, there. people
1: de la vega too. I think it, they they have a good mix of youth and experience
0: and good players. I think it's gonna be interesting to check how they do it. Mm. Um Lucas Barrios joining Patronato is that feels like a pretty big capture for Patronato.
1: It is Metal, <laughs> well, yeah. it is. Um well, as I said, Juan Manuel Garcia joined Newells, but also like I told you earlier, they got Yorka F Riasco, which is probably the best name in the Russian League now.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, who you were saying is um the son of the first Ecuadorian Ecuadorian to play for Newells. Did I hear that yeah. right? Yeah, so the two
1: Ecuadorians that ever play for
0: Newells are father and son. Mm or will be once he's played a match for them. Um uh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, that, that looks that looks good and uh and Barrios uh, Pat- I don't know how old Barrios is now, but um, I mean 38. Yeah, it, it, he's got to be a better option than whoever it was Patronato had up front before. Um 37. Good guess, well done. Um Walter Montoya rejoining Rosario Central and Claudio Shakob. um has also signed for them. Both of those look like fairly handy signings. i yep. up, look fairly ordinary or I can, but. Sorry, uh, just distracted by the cat dashing around the floor. She's grabbed it <laughs> off my desk and is now using it as a toy, which she shouldn't be doing. Uh, so I'm going to have to grab that off for her in a second. Ah, um, uh, yeah, and at uh, Tacheres, um, Alana Guerre, fine, fairly ordinary goalkeeper. Um, Federico Girotti has joined them, though, which I think strikes me as another move that should suit all parties. He wasn't playing, I mean, he wasn't starting all the time at River. He was getting a lot of opportunities off the bench. Um, And, you know, I I think at a club like Tacheres playing the kind of football that they played last year, um, decent team, decent standard. He's going to get more opportunities than he was getting at River. that, That should suit everybody just fine, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good move for him. He's going
1: to have a lot more minutes. Um, he, his core more or less as expected as from the XG uh, accumulated. So he's a good striker. He's a, he, he can score and the will need that, that. So
0: yeah, it's a, it's um, a good
1: piece of, of business.
0: We're going to move on to listeners' questions. I've just realized that what the cat is chasing around the desk is actually a pin cushion with lots of pins sticking out of it. So I'm going to grab that offer right now. Um, but while I do that, if one of you wouldn't mind asking or answering rather the first listener's question, um, which is from David Nowaszewski, who says, is there anything to note of note to mention about the yet again new manager at San Lorenzo? Well, uh, Pedro so Torrio if, is a, is a, a
1: legend uh, in Argentine football. One of those, not, not Maradona level, not Messi level, but he... He's part of the culture here in Argentina. He did really well outside uh, the country too, especially in Central America. Um, I don't think he has like a clear style of playing. It's more adaptive than um, to the players he has. Uh, I think it's one of those stabilizing options. You know, like it's a, it's a character that's more or less well known by everybody. And command some respect, like Falcioni, for example. Like, it's really difficult to get annoyed <laughs> from Falcioni. So um, I think it's a, it's a good move for San Lorenzo to stabilize a little bit the turmoil um, in terms of the managers. The last three weeks in the last four years for them. So should get enough good enough results and don't create too much of a fuss. Understands too.
2: Yes, I think it was the best option for for San Lorenzo. If they wanted to to go for sure, uh, and and they wanted a coach uh, that doesn't do crazy things, and and I think that uh, likes the order. And uh, of course, he he will need to score goals. But uh, I think it was a uh, uh, indicative for this moment of, of San Lorenzo. So uh, yes. I, I I preview that he will do do well. And um, he he was, of course, you will say, Olympia of Honduras. Uh, Perhaps it has no uh, relevance, but uh, he they, he became champion four times in a row. I think there. So. Yeah,
1: and they almost took out. I think it was Toronto FC in the Conca Champions. I think when they play against against them, um, and they went toe to toe with the the champions of the of MLS
0: back then. So, it's a clever person. I think he's gonna do well. Thank you for taking over for a minute there, guys. Um, Scott Barlow says, how can I watch this in the UK? Uh, I'm not going to answer that one on air because they still haven't given us the sponsorship money from the end of 2019, and they clearly aren't going to now. Uh, but that question has been answered in our mentions um, by one of our other listeners who, who also asked a question that we'll be getting to in a minute. So if you're interested, then do check out the Hunter pod mentions. I've retweeted the... Um, question so just check that out and have a look down the replies for the answer to that one uh bob roberts says a question that um i'm not really sure well I, i certainly can't answer this one uh because of inflation but we'll find out so bob says what do fans pay for tickets to argentine top division matches cheap seats behind the goals and the best seats at midfield um i've not been to a match since before the pandemic actually quite shortly before the pandemic started and um we we, we have 50% inflation annually, roughly, in Argentina. So God knows what a top-division ticket costs now. Do either of you two know? I was
1: about to go to Santa Fe and go to Union against River uh, Plate. More or less 2,000 pesos.
0: Is that for the cheap seats? Or the well, seat the cheap seat standing no, cheap, or? the cheap
1: seats go, go, go free for the Socios. Hmm and it's uh, uh, 150 no uh, uh 1050. uh so I think of 2k for the platea I mean it's not big of a difference to be honest but yeah of course with obviously if you want to most go to the clubs yeah, yeah if you want to go to Tigre for example surely around that but maybe a little less it's because surely there's a little bit of inflation because we're playing River. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true as well, yeah. Um, Jamie Ralph says, can you remember any other team having had a transfer window like River have just had? They were the best team in Argentina already, but now it just seems unfair that the rest of the teams have to compete with a squad that stacked with quality. Um, Santi, although he's not recording with us, um, did manage to find the time to reply to this and said, River, last year. <laughs> um, no, I, I remember, for example,
1: Yules with Tolo Gallego. They got Jairo mm-hmm. Patinho, Chardel, uh, Jorge Bermúdez, and they went on to be champions. Yeah. I remember that, for
0: example. You've got to go back some time. Um, it's true. But oh, the yeah. other thing is that, to me, River's transfer window really um, smacks of a team who were putting everything towards trying to win back the Copa Libertadores, um, which, yeah. you know, fair enough, they, they've been very successful in it over the last few years. So, you know, that they have every right to think that they can compete for it. Um, but as a result of that, it's probably going to lead to them, you know, the evidence of the last few years tells us that they're, they're not going to take the league all that seriously until they're well into the, you know, unless they go out, basically, of the, of the Libertadores. So that does give everybody else a chance Um, and of course it's football you never know what's going to happen Um, there's then a bit more of a discussion between Jamie and Santi and then Johnny uh, asks does Juan Choppe have a brain bigger than a walnut or almost the same size he joined Colón so (laughs) (laughs) yeah all
1: all, all jokes aside I think he's a victim of circumstance a lot of players from the same background and the same upbringing more or less ended up with the same kind of situation at least one time in their career especially when they don't change the the people surrounding them I mean he didn't do anything different like any other 100 players in the last three years so yeah
2: I think that the problem, the big problem he has is that he can't be fit. Uh, uh, one month, uh, uh, one entire month. He's uh, I don't know why if he's uh, has problems with foods or or he's a, it's a uh, a problem with his uh, uh, his body. But uh, he's constantly injured, and uh, this thing of of posting social media uh, or or things that social media uh, uh, menacing the the threatening the the, the board members of of the club he still was playing Uh, well not playing but he was still there Uh, and then the the the, the vice president with the killman saying well but he we wanted to sell him but there was no offers finally he he's now at cologne it's all very 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 strange i don't remember something like that Uh, 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 like a a fight in which a player uh, criticizes this Way uh, to, to the, to the uh, board members, and then they respond uh, on TV uh, even higher, uh, even heavier. I, I think it's really,
0: really, really strange. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Lee Bartlett, we've actually had a couple of questions about San Lorenzo's um, new stadium, so I shall ask them both at the same time. Lawrence Hart and Lee Bartlett both ask whether we have any updates on that. Uh, I mean, at the moment, the site of where it's going to be is is a massive. Uh, vaccination centre so nothing going on at the moment no construction work taking place and as ever it'll probably be quite some time before they've actually got the money to do anything uh it's been handed over to the club you know things move slowly here you're gonna have to be patient guys uh lee also asks what are the latest rumors on the new primera de teams um you might remember last year there was all this talk at the very last minute of like four or eight teams or something dropping down and losing professional status and becoming semi-pro to, to play a division lower and have a better chance to get to the top flight because of the way Argentina's slightly strange, um, directly and indirectly affiliated lower divisions, um, work. Nothing has been resolved so far for this year. The, the rules and regulations haven't been finalized. Um, don't know when it's going to start the Primera Day, um, But uh, at the moment, there are 10 teams who are definitely going to be in that. Um, So, yeah, the second division, meanwhile, has 37 teams, which apparently makes it the second biggest um, second division in the world behind Egypt's, which has 48 teams in three groups, apparently. Um, So, yeah, that's happening. We will give you a a fuller uh, lowdown on the lower divisions, perhaps a little bit later on. Uh, I'm quite conscious that we're running out of time on Zoom at the moment, so we're rushing through these last few questions a bit. Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, "Aside from River, who else has had a good transfer window?" I hope that we've been able to answer that one um, during recording. Uh, he also union. says, "Yeah, not when you're not." Who we barely mentioned, in fact. Uh, Will Var be used this year? No, I think is the answer to that one, I've- isn't it? Think they want to put it up.
2: Yes, it will on be on the fourth,
1: yes. Fourth
2: match oh, really? Day, I think. Yes, there yes. will be, I think the a, a, a building at the alpha a, sorry, a, a, HM, a room at the AFA building, not in any, in every stadium. I think it will be centralized. But yes, from the fourth round, I think. Yeah, something but- like
0: that. Okay, well, thanks for correcting me on that one. I hadn't heard that. Um, yeah, it's just Tommy, really for the shenanigans. <laughs> and Tommy Buendia says, "Who are some players you think have a chance to break out this year?" I mean, there Buendia. are so many teams to to uh, to to consider. Probably not young Mister Messi at Newell's, who uh, Tony and oh. I were. Very briefly talking about before we recorded. I can't remember his first name, but he's playing the, the youth Copa Libertadores at the moment, and he has no relation at all to Leonel Messi. Uh, he just happens to have the same name. Joaquin. Yeah, that's the one yeah. Um, yeah. So probably not him, because uh, I mean, apparently lots of people around Newells as well have pointed out that if he was going to break through, he would be already in and around the first team squad um, at the age that he is, and that's not happening. So we'll see. But uh, you know, in many ways, it's one of those questions that if we knew the answer, it would be less fun finding out, as ever, in this league, which is a bit of a cop-out, but, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, unless either of you two have some names to, to throw at us.
1: Well, as a young player, I think you, you should keep that uh, player, sorry, young supporter, uh, you should keep an eye on Kevin Senan. I think it's probably one of the best youngsters we have around. Um, that's one that Andrew Teltan from, <clears throat> used to play for Montevideo City Torque, went to Cologne. I think it's going to be interesting to follow uh, the left back. Um, who else, who else? Racing had a couple of good young players that I don't know if Cargo is going to use them, but there's a chance that happens. I think that we uh, worth watching and, and, and follow if you're into. Uh, those players are surely, if you sign up for the manager for pennies, you're going to sell them a couple of years later
0: for millions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan will be back next week, by the way. So we'll have a more informed take on racing probably um, from next week. He's on holiday at the moment. Um, those are all of the questions for this. Week and I'm not really sure it makes much sense to give you a mystic Sam in full, given that the round's already kicked off, but I'll I'll just run down the remaining fixtures um this weekend. Obviously, it's Thursday evening as we record, but the matches are going to be taking place between now and Sunday night. Um Sarmiento just scored a couple of minutes ago, so they're one-nil up against Atlético Tucumán. Patronato versus Argentinos is still nil-nil. Later on, we've got Newell's V defensa and Central Córdoba v Barracas Central. On Friday, Arsenal host Rosario Central. Vélez host Aldo Civi. Godoy Cruz host Tigre and Banfield are at home to San Lorenzo. On Saturday, it's Huracán versus Lanús. Union versus River, as Tony's mentioned, um, and Estudiantes versus Independiente. And on Sunday, Racing versus Gimnasia, Platense versus Tacheres, and Boca versus Colón. You might have noticed that uh, that is four matches each day scheduled for the two weekdays this round and only three matches each day scheduled on Saturday and Sunday when people are off work. Welcome back to Argentine football, guys. It's the new year and uh, it's the same fantastic organisation. For now, I think we'd better wrap up because we've only got a couple of minutes left of this meeting anyway. So thank you very much indeed for putting up with us in your ears again um, for another week and we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From Tony. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me. Thank you and goodbye.